Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. And welcome to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf and Wyatt and Wispa and Brandy and Fallon and Lexi and, of course, we'll just double Wyatt up and all the other great dogs out there. Um, who belong to me or to you. This is really all about dogs on Tuesday nights. It's about making sure that we can, as a human race, be kind to animals. We have our Christmas and uh, New Year's and all those wonderful celebrations that are focused on us. But you know what the problem is? We don't focus on these dogs. We focus on us. Sometimes we have guests to come over who might give people... uh, You know, people might give the dogs different treats. They might give them chocolate. A lot of people, believe it or not, don't know that chocolate and other things like macadamia nuts um, and onions and mushrooms and a whole bunch of other things, anything pretty much with caffeine in it, is really can be toxic to dogs and is really bad for them. So even though you might have some great people over for the holiday, it's really important to make sure that everybody abides by the rules of your house. Now, here's a question, because I've got so many people. I had to have at least eight or ten people just in the last two or three days who called me, um, including a, a young man who I had spoken with about a year ago, and uh, he has a, a dog who apparently, for whatever reason, um, the dog, he, he had gone to uh, one of these crazy shock collar trainers who said he wasn't a shock trainer. And uh, you can hear Wyatt, he hears that word shock collar, he says, I hate those people. So um, the problem is that if you have a dog who's fearful or has a tendency to be fear aggressive, and then you start using a shock collar, let me explain to you in a dog's mind, because most of these people have no clue of what, why they're doing it. And if you disagree with me, you're certainly more than welcome to call in. I'd be happy to debate you with my Columbia University background. Uh, unless you're a Yaley or a Harvard person, be prepared to uh, to argue because this is how dogs think, okay? Dogs don't have an opposable thumb, right? So they can't hold the shot collar thing. They can't hold the clicker. They couldn't toss a cookie. Well, sometimes dogs can toss their cookies, but in a different way. But dogs don't think like humans. So as soon as you start any kind of operant conditioning, that's going to be a very specific, hey, the dog is going to, uh, um, you know, do a trick and it's going to get a treat. That's like kids going trick-or-treating on Halloween. If you give me a treat, then I won't play a trick on you, okay? But what tends to happen is people reward at the wrong time the same as they do the wrong timing for a shot collar. Now, I don't believe in those at all. Um, the problem is that dogs don't think like humans. Now, if you are looking at something, and feel free to to take my words, uh, those of you who are trainers or who are, you know, reading my book and going out there and saying that I trained you and I know I didn't, but if you want to learn how to do it the right way, call us at 855-4K9-PROS, the number four, the letter K, the number nine, PROS, P-R-O-S. If you want to learn how to do something the right way, learn it from the pro. Learn it from the person who is, has studied this. Learn it from people who can be your teammates instead of your adversaries. So here's the problem. 
Dogs think like dogs, and dogs do what dogs do because they're dogs. Humans do what humans do because they're humans. And your problem is when you start doing something, for instance, like giving a cookie to a fearful dog because people come in the front door, you think of it as, oh, okay, I'm going to, you know, give my dog a cookie to show him or her that people are good and nice and they'll give him treats. But the problem is that your dog, who is fearful or dominant, is being rewarded for the exact problem that and the wrong state of mind. So, in other words, what can happen is instead of you rewarding your dog in reality for what we want, you are actually rewarding your dog for what you don't want. You're rewarding the fearful or dominant state of mind. So imagine if everybody comes in the house and the dog says, oh, okay, people coming in the house are friendly, right? People coming in the house are, you know, great people because they're giving me cookies. Well, for a normal dog, a nice, calm, confident dog who's the best dog in the world, you can do anything you want to do. You can, you know, give them cookies for, you know, jumping uh, into a swimming pool, whatever you want to do. But when you have a dog with a behavioral issue, and that is my expertise, and my good friend, Dr. Temple Grandin, um, and I have had very lengthy discussions on even specific dogs um, that I have as clients, where we're trying to figure out what's going on in the dog's brain. Now, if you think like a dog, you understand that if the dog is in a fearful or dominant state of mind, when you are um, giving the cookie, the dog is actually being rewarded for the state of mind he's in, which is the cookie, right? The cookie is his reward for going up to people, even though he's afraid, and taking a treat from them. So what don't we teach our kids that, hey, don't take candy from strangers, especially if you're afraid of them. So we're actually rewarding a fearful or dominant state of mind with that treat. Now, if you have the best dog in the world, like our Rambo's John Dillinger with, I think, 36 titles he has, Wyatt's brother and Wispa's brother and Brandy's brother and Prince's brother and Sedona's brother, well, he's number one Ridgeback of all times, the most titled Ridgeback ever. And it's pretty cool, you know, to have a dog like that. But he started out as being a great, calm, confident, gentle, sweet, wonderful dog because of his breeding. His mom is Willow. Willow was one of my the best dogs in the world. She's She won Best of All at uh, Westminster. And, and it's a very exciting thing when you win all these kinds of things. But really, more importantly, when you get a dog and you get a dog who has show lines, you have to assume that the show breeder who's putting out tons and tons of money in shows and in doing hips, elbows, thyroid, bare surf, uh, some of them by Wonderbrand, some of them are, you know, patellas you have to check, some of them are degenerative myelopathy, whatever it is that you have to check, we do that to make sure these dogs are healthy. Well, one of the things is temperament is one of those important aspect. If a dog is aggressive or dog aggressive or people aggressive, he goes over to a judge and he's going to snap at the judge. He gets disqualified. Nobody wants to breed to an aggressive dog. Even in the breeds, we're very dominant. So where, why is that coming into play right now? Because what we're thinking of incorrectly is that you're going to be able to bribe a dog out of a fearful state of mind. You're not. 
Can you make him come up to people? Yes. Is he going to do it when there's no cookie? Probably not. And if he does, that's great. I'm all for anything that does not hurt a dog, but that makes him better. So if you can, you know, take a severely fear-aggressive dog and use cookies and figure out a way to get him to not be fear-aggressive and it doesn't take you his whole life and you say, oh, he's about 10% better, then, you know, come up with something else. Well, behavior. The answer to everything is behavior. If you want to do tricks, you want to do the, the fun obedience stuff, or rally obedience, that's a blast. Have fun with it. But don't ruin a dog or think that you're fixing a dog when you don't know what you're doing. So we're, we're talking about rewarding with food. And when I come back in a moment, we're going to talk about shock collars. Oh, excuse me, e-collars, because they're e-collars. They're not shock collars, even though they, they are the same thing. So stay tuned. We'll be back for a spirited segment in just a moment. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. As a dog owner, you know that dogs can eat just about anything. But when food becomes a health troublemaker, or your animal has been on antibiotics or heavy meds, or GI issues set in, your animal's gut may be out of balance and needs Goo Gut Rescue. Goo Gut Rescue is 100% natural and veterinarian prebiotic and probiotic formulated to rescue your animal's gut from bad bug dominance. Remember, your dog's total health begins with gut health. Don't delay. Visit GooGutRescue.com. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf and the gang. And of course, no show would be complete without a special shout out to my good friend Pam and Mona and Sedona DePona. And all of our wonderful people out there who listen, and uh, it's amazing how many people there really are listening to the show. And I will keep you on the edge of your seat. You might get angry sometimes. You might be happy sometimes, but you're going to learn the truth because that's the problem. Too many people in this world are not interested in the truth. They're interested in having sugar-coated and making it easier. And I'm sorry to say the same thing. An e-collar, an e-collar, an electronic training collar. Well, electronic means that it needs electricity of some sort, a battery or uh, to be plugged in and recharged, right? So it's electricity going through the collar. Get it? It's a shock collar. What is electricity going through something? It's a shock. Okay, so we're using a shock collar on a dog who is fearful or dominant. Now, if you were doing it for a dog who's dominant, not that it makes it any better, but that's kind of two guys in a bar. And they're going to, you know, work on it. And these guys are, you know, they're going to, let's say, get into a fight because somebody looked at somebody else's baby mama's baby daddy's cousin's baby mama the wrong way. And now you have two guys that are getting in a fight. That is exactly what we're talking about with two guys in a bar being two dominant dogs or you being dominant with a shot collar and the dog being dominant back. All right, but when you're talking about fear, 
fear aggression, uncertainty. A dog who is now nervous, a dog who is uncomfortable, a dog who's fearful, who's frightened, who's agitated. It's the same reason you can't give acepromazine to an agitated dog. It's the exact same thing. Acepromazine is a very commonly used um, sedative that is supposed to calm a dog. But if you give it, or a horse, if you give it when the animal is already agitated, it has the complete opposite effect. Hello, same thing goes for the shock collar. So what happens is you have a dog who's fearful. I'm going to tell you a story about a wonderful person I know who has one of my Ridgebacks now, but they used to have a beautiful dog named Dan. We called him Dan the Dog. And he's a great dog, and I've heard this many, many times with very similar results. Dan was very aggressive when I started working with him. He was people aggressive. He was dog aggressive. He was cat aggressive. He was leash reactive and aggressive. He was car aggressive. He was pretty much food aggressive, toy aggressive, bone aggressive. You name it, he was aggressive. Now, the problem was, or the good thing was he had a wonderful owner, but the problem was I said one thing never to do with Dan the dog because he was a fearful and fear-aggressive dog. And fearful dogs are different than dogs who are, you know, a dominant dog or just a confident dog. So I told him never, ever, ever get an electronic sense, you know, the, the E-senses or I-senses or whatever the heck they call them, you know, the, the senses that, that there's an electric collar on that. And actually what happened was we ended up using the um, the shock collar, the you know, the, the training collar for the electric fence, electronic fence. And the neighbor, because listen, what does a dog think? Okay, the dog looks and the dog thinks of, okay, there's a person over there and I'm barking at that person. And I really want to go eat that person. And I really want to go bark at that person. But every time I get close to that person, read that as I'm getting close to where the fence zaps me, every time I get close to that person, that person hurts me because the dog is looking at you. The dog is looking at that person. The dog is looking at the other dog. So instead of it making the dog think, oh, gee, my mom or my dad doesn't want to, um, you know, have the, um, you know, the... uh, the reaction there, my mom, my dog, my dad doesn't want me to be near that dog or near that person or bark at that dog, bark at that person. The dog starts assuming that whoever or whatever it is looking at when it feels that zap is the one hurting it. And that's the problem. You're thinking like a human. Start thinking like a dog. Dogs do what dogs do because they're dogs. They're not humans. You're not a dog. So every time the shock, and that I had another, this client I opened the, the hour with, this client uh, uh, or future client had gone to several different trainers, including one who ended up being in jail for animal cruelty and drug abuse. So drug, I guess they were drug dealers, which is really great. You give your dog out to somebody, but he didn't know. And that happens a lot of times where you just don't know. People have a good game and they play around and they it sounds okay. I tell people, Google. Google me. You will find all good stuff. You'll see exactly what I do, how long I've been doing it. You'll find 80, 90 pages of, of um, articles and 
being in, on TV, not that that means a lot, but when you're on big TV shows and in big newspapers, you know, national and, and very large regional newspapers and, and TV and magazines, you actually are vetted out. They check you out. They make sure you're okay because they don't want to be embarrassed, like uh, Jared from Subway. That was uh, somebody's mistake. So when you have somebody who's got national acclaim and internationally known, you're pretty safe on it. doesn't mean that that person is going to you know, love your dog, but at least you're pretty sure that that person is going to be what they say they are and be able to help your dog. So this poor gentleman... Uh, who I opened the hour with, um, went to, you know, this other person who said, oh, it's only $400. Well, it ended up costing him over $3,000, which was more than it would have cost to have one of my people come out, much more than it would have cost to have one of my people come out. And instead of great results, instead of that, he has now uh, a dog who was not only fear aggressive with animals, but now him in the face. And that's the big problem because now he was bitten in the face. Now his whole family is like, oh, we got to get rid of the dog. Well, if he would have had me come out a year ago, he wouldn't have had the problem. But you don't know what you don't know. Well, that's a shock collar. That's what shock collars do. I can tell you over and over and over again all the different cases that I've heard and that I know of firsthand that a shock collar was used. It's not that you couldn't use it for a hunting dog on the, the sound because your voice doesn't travel very far. But when you start doing that and you don't know why you're doing it, you haven't tried, you know, everything else um, and you haven't tried it for, uh, you know, a very long time, you really don't know what you don't know. You just don't. So be careful. Be wary. Don't just send your dog out. And, you know, with somebody you don't know, you wouldn't do that with a child. You would check, you know, to make sure that there were, that nobody was abusive and that nobody had a criminal background. But why do we not do that with our dogs? It's crazy. So the other part about Dan the dog was he wound up um, biting the next-door neighbor. And the reason he wound up biting the next-door neighbor, it wasn't the family's fault, but the reason he wound up biting the next-door neighbor was that every time he would go up to the gate, or up to the the electric fence where it was, he would have, you know, he would see this lady. And when he looked at the lady, he got zapped because he was close to the fence line. So eventually he figured that, oh, I think this is because this lady's zapping me. So as soon as now she's not zapping him, right, because the uh, fence, whatever, the battery was dead, now all of a sudden he walks up to her and he doesn't get zapped, but he's mad because she zapped him all the time. And what happens? He goes over and he bites. So that's the problem. If the dog is going to be corrected, you have to have the dog know where the correction is coming from. It has to come from the other dog. If, like, two dogs corrected each other, it's not that the dog is wondering where it came from. It obviously would be coming from the other dog. If you are the owner and you need to correct your dog, then your dog needs to see that you are correcting him. Not that he's going to be corrected by some random shock around his his throat. And then a lot of times also, these dogs who are, you know, constantly shock collared, they start getting aggressive when you go to put a leash on to take them out for the for a walk because they're so sensitive now in their neck because they think, oh, no, you're going to touch me. You're going to hurt me. So I just don't see why people do it, but they do, and it's the worst thing ever, and I wish people would stop. 
But you know what? Until people, um, you know, rebel and and say, hey, we're not going to abuse our dogs anymore. We're going to go get help from a behaviorist and not some, you know, you know, $10 shot collar trainer who takes an online course, you know, and uh, and reads a few books and thinks he knows what he's doing. Don't do that to your dog. You may not like what I'm saying, but it's absolutely the truth, and you know it. Hey, stay tuned, because I've got a break, but I will be right back to offend some more people. Have a great day. Talk to you in a moment. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. New Vet Plus, your pet's best friend. NuVet Plus is an immune system builder that is safe for all stages of your dog's life. Helps eliminate most issues, including allergies, scratching and itching, hot spots, arthritis and joint issues, chronic ear infections, tear staining, lack of energy, digestive issues, and so much more. All natural, manufactured in an FDA-registered human pharmaceutical lab here in the USA, using ingredients sourced in the USA. Nothing artificial, no sugars, wheat, corn, or dyes. Never heat treated to help retain all the natural rich ingredients comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and is only pennies a day. Call us Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 1-800-474-7044. That's 1-800-474-7044. And tell them you are referred by All Paws Pet Talk Radio or go online to www.nuvet.com. That's www.nuvet.com. Use order code 33955. Again, www.nuvet.com, order code 3395. Put your pet on the path to good health. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. And I just want to shoot another shout out to Pam because I know you listen to every one of my shows and I am so grateful for everything you do for everybody. You're awesome. Um, okay, so let me go offend some more people that I was doing before. I think everybody can understand for now why dogs... Uh, don't always respond to certain kinds of training methods. Now, it's not that I know everything in the whole world. I do know a lot because when I don't know, I learn about it. I don't learn about it from a book somebody wrote. I learn about it from the mouth, the sort Like you say, go to the horse's, you know, you want to hear something, go to the horse's mouth. You want to hear something from uh, the person or the animals themselves. And that's what I've done is I've actually studied dogs uh, and horses and rabbits for most of my life, um, since I was a very little kid, like four or three, since before I can really officially remember. And unfortunately, most people don't think like that. They read a book and they, and, and I've written a lot of books and my books are great, you know, but you're still learning it for me. Take my principles, take what I teach you and take it into your own brain and, and say, hey, does that make sense? Does it make sense when Janice talks about you know, scenting food, putting your smell on the dog's food. We've all heard that for forever. But why not for a dog who's a little bit fearful or a dog who's too dominant, put everybody's smell on that food with a paper towel. We talked about that. It's in my book under, I believe, under the purpose part where, you know, we're talking about when you feed your dog and you go for the hunt, wait, eat, you go out 
symbolically hunting. What you think your dog thinks, oh, yeah, we're going to go out and we're going to go to the pet store and we're going to go buy, um, oh, a new leash and a collar and, oh, a bed and, oh, maybe some Christmas tree, you know, Christmas tree ornaments. Dogs don't think like that. Dogs think like dogs because they're dogs, right? Dogs think like dogs because they're dogs. And dogs do what dogs do because they're dogs. So when you take the dog out and all of a sudden, um, you know, you've seen, um, you know, something and, and you say, ah, that looks like food. Well, if you're walking and you're looking out ahead of you, your dog thinks that you're going out there hunting for food. He doesn't think you're going to Walmart. He thinks you're going to get food. Why would dogs in nature? And, and oh, for my one detractor, uh, somebody who's an idiot said um, that it's um, that this dogs are not pack animals. They don't think like that. Well, go to any place with a lot of dogs that aren't in people's actual homes, and you'll see that dogs hang out together. People hang out with people. Dogs hang out with dogs. I would rather hang out with dogs than with people, as many of you would. But the problem is that because dogs are, um, you know, pack animals, regardless of what anybody might want to think. When you, when I was in Aruba a few weeks ago, all the dogs were in packs. Dogs don't, they can't survive one at a time. The ones that you do see, the occasional one you see, he's skinny because he can't survive on his own. Dogs need to have strength in numbers for heat, for warmth, for hunting, for safety, for all of those things, for breeding, to make more dogs. That's why they're out there. So dogs are pack animals. So when they go out, they follow whoever they have appointed as the leader, who's usually the strongest male. If they're a female with with puppies, the female would probably be the leader until the puppies were old enough. But that's how dogs think. So when you take your dog out for a walk and then you wait 15 to 45 minutes after you come back for the dog to eat, the dog feels, ah, we went out for our hunt, assuming he wasn't in front of you dragging you on the harness and flexi lead the whole time. He goes out in front. He's the leader. You go out in front. You're the leader. So if you have um, a dental leader, use a martingale, whatever you want to use, but not cookies, not cookie, 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 heel, 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 cookie, 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 because that's a trick. You want the dog to follow you because he wants to follow you because he realizes that you're taking care of him. You are doing the providing. You're doing the protecting. You are in charge. That's why my dogs follow me. They don't get a cookie every time they come in or they don't get a cookie every time we go for a walk. That's not why they're going with me. They're off leash. They never run away. Why? Because why would you want to run away from somebody who loves you and takes care of you? I mean, you're not a teenager. A teenager would be a whole other story, teenage human. <laughs> but a, teen, a dog, dogs do what dogs do because they're dogs. Remember that. So when you come back from that walk and the dog waits symbolically for that for you as the leader or you as the person in charge or animal in charge, He's actually waiting for you to finish your meal or for that whoever it is to finish a meal. You don't have to go and, you know, feed, you know, give yourself food and, you know, eat in front of your dog. What you do have to do, though, is to let the dog wait that 15 to 45 minutes. And while you're wait- if the dog is waiting and you're waiting for, you know, the time to feed him, take a paper towel that you've already 
put your scent on. Take You can use ex- different paper towels, obviously, for different people or dogs or cats or whatever it is. Take that smell that's on those paper towels and put that paper towel under the food or in the top of the food bucket or bag. And by the way, while I'm just uh, a little aside, make sure you don't store food in a plastic container unless it's inside the original bag the dog food came in because some plastics, well, all plastics off gas. I know Pam will correct me on this, and I would love for her to come on one one show and just talk about how plastics can just kind of get into everything and infuse themselves into the food. Now you're feeding your dog toxic plastic fumes that have uh, coagulated in the food. So when you're feeding your dog and he smells five or 10 or 20 different smells, he thinks, like a dog, that five or 10 or 15 or 20 other animals or people have been there first. So he's usually much lower on the list of where dogs are. So now he knows, oh, I'm not going to be number one or two or three or four. I'm number eight because there are seven other smells. And that, my friends, is how dogs think about food and about your walk. That's why most people's dogs want to be out ahead. Most people's dogs want to get out ahead of you. They want to stay out ahead of you. They want to make sure that they're there first so they can do the providing and that they can do the protecting. That's why they are doing what they're doing. They're not doing it because they're humans. They're doing it because they're dogs. So we are going to um, talk a little bit more about this during the next segment. And if anybody has a question, you know you can uh, call in and ask questions. We'll be happy to answer anything that you've got. But uh, stay tuned because we will be right back. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. For your dogs, running beside your bike is more rewarding canine exercise than any walk. It's also more dangerous. Until now, introducing the amazingly stable Bike Toe Leash, the only safe dog biking attachment approved by the American Pet Association. The Bike Toe Leash installs in seconds on bikes, trikes, power chairs, and mobility scooters. No tools needed, and dogs learn it immediately. With a Bike Toe Leash, both dogs and rider can enjoy fun recreation anywhere, no matter what your ability level. To learn more and order your Bike Toe Leash, visit BikeToeLeash.com. That's BikeToeLeash.com. Bike Toe Leashes are made in the USA and ship worldwide. That website again is B-I-K-E-T-O-W-L-E-A-S-H.com. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. I'm having a blast. I'll tell you, it's been kind of a tough holiday, and I, I know so many people who have had uh, serious issues ranging from, uh, you know, family members passing away and dogs passing away and dogs running away, and it, it just seems like there's so much tragedy now, and that's why, you know, we don't want to add more fires, you know, um, onto, uh, you know, an already, you know, inflammatory 
time. But, you know, I, I do want people to think about the things that they do with their dogs because I think too many people don't think about things the way dogs do. And you're doing things trying to help your dog, but you're really hurting your dog. So what we want to just do is change the way you're thinking. Now, if you get a copy of my book, and it's it's a great book. We've had, I don't know how many thousands on thousands of people who have read it, and we've got wonderful uh, you know, comments on it. But part of the, the issue is when you're reading a book, look up the author. Look up to see what the author does, because I've seen altogether too many times where you get some local person who just, you know, writes a book to write a book, and then, you know, you start following it, and you don't realize that, you know, the person has no background. You can look me up. You can look up what I've done. But look to see what people have accomplished in their lives. What do they have? One, you know, old, like 13-year-old yellow lab that they, they train to sit and lie down, and that's their expertise? Or is it like Fallon wants you all to hear? Fallon, come here. Tell me about your problems. Is it going to be something more like a person like a Temple Grandin? Or somebody who is not only experienced with animals, but spends a life studying animals. Those are the people you want to listen to. And, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Uh, I wish I were, but I guess I probably don't really because I like knowing all the cool things I know. And I like all the experiences and all the people I've met and all the amazing animals in my life. But you have to really make sure that because you are the, the guardian of your dog, you have to make sure you don't do something that's going to cause irreparable damage to that dog. And I see that altogether too often. So think before you do something crazy, okay? Think before you send your dog away um, to some, you know, somebody you don't even know who you don't even know if they're going to take care of the dog. So think about it, all right? Again, think like a dog. Think about what it would take for you to, you know, send your kid away. And assuming we're not talking about a teenager here, um, because I think some teenagers, probably parents would want to get the teenagers away. Um, So thinking about that, now let's talk about, okay, you're not going to do a shot collar trainer and you're not going to throw cookies at your dog so that it's obedient through obesity. What can you do for a dog who's fearful or who has uh, behavioral issues? Anything ranging from, you know, urinating in the house all the way up to attacking people or attacking other dogs. Well, anything that happens is a breakdown. Just remember, anytime there's a problem, it's because there's a breakdown in what the dog sees you as doing. And a lot of people have problems at this time of year because they get very depressed. I've got somebody who is a very, very wonderful person who keeps uh, letting me know that he's looking to, you know, to commit suicide. I can't help him because I'm not near enough to him. But why is it him and so many other people? We just heard murder-suicides of a, of a father who, you know, killed his, his daughter and his wife. I mean, and then himself. It's, it's something about the Christmas time. And, and there is a problem with uh, once the, obviously we're just past it, the shortest day of the year happens, though. There, uh, there are definitely things that happen, not only with humans, with getting depressed and saddened at the holidays, but that's also the time of year that has the shortest uh, day, especially in the Northeast. So when that happens, you know, for, for our hemisphere anyway, um, 
a lot of people get depressed, but a lot of dogs also seem to pop up with behavioral issues. Now, there are several different reasons that could be. The first thing could just be that these dogs are ending up with behavioral issues because their owner's energy has gotten weaker or depressed, or they haven't, you know, gotten in, in at work, where they haven't gotten their uh, quota for the for the month or for the year, or they didn't get the Christmas bonus they wanted, or you know they don't like their family and they, you know, not going to spend uh, holidays with their family, or they're, you know, want to go on vacation and they lost a job and now they can't go on vacation. Whatever it is that is causing this issue, it's the dogs who are the ones who always seem to have the problem. The dogs are the ones who pay the price, end up at the shelter, and, you know, unfortunately wind up either euthanized or, um, you know, with a shock collar around their, their throat. Dogs are not the problem. Dogs are the symptom. When a dog has a behavioral issue, it's generally a symptom of something going on in the human's life. Now, is it possible, is it even maybe likely that a dog might potentially um, have a, like a seasonal uh you know, loneliness like we have with uh, with humans, have that sad. Um, so, yes, you, you could have that. That's possible that there is an actual physiological problem. But it is far more likely that the dog is keying off of the human, especially if you have a really good relationship with your dog. Your dog is going to look at things as being, um, you know, protective. Like, I have to protect my mommy. I have to protect my daddy. And if you think that your dog has got to protect you and he's a little aggressive or he's a little um, strange in whatever way, chances are that that could be a problem that is also creating issues with, um, you know, his behavior. So let's think about it for a minute. Is there something we can do as owners to make our dog's lives better? We can be happier owners. We can be a little less quick to snap at people. And, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too. I'll tell you, I can't stand when, when somebody's nasty or somebody does something um, that I know that they're doing and, and they, they're lying about it or they're, you know, being untruthful about it. But, you know, you're not responsible for everything that everybody in the world does. You're just responsible for what you do. So if your dog has behavioral issues, Look inside yourself. Try to change that about yourself. Uh, a lot of people are stuck in, in um, jobs they hate. They're stuck in families they hate. Uh, the holidays, I don't, I don't know too many people who really like the holidays. And it's crazy because, you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year, except if you hate your family or if you don't have a family. Or if you have whatever issues you have, which always seem to intensify around the holidays. And what I'd love to do is have uh, one of my good friends come on and talk a little bit about some of the, the dogs who are out there. Uh, we have dogs that we're um, going to be bringing back from actually from Aruba as well. Um, and we'll talk about those. We're going to be uh, speaking with her um, from with her rescue in uh, the next couple of weeks. And I'm very excited to get everybody involved in that because I think that's something that people can get behind and appreciate and love. And, you know, it's great to help others. The problem is 
that when you're helping others, don't forget to help yourself. Don't forget to do something good for yourself because it's okay to be good to yourself if it's helping your dog and helping your family and helping your friends because you're not being, you know, um, edgy or, or touchy or anything like that. So, um, again, the holidays are a tough time for sure, but with a little bit of help from your friends and your dog, maybe we can get through it a little bit better this year. Because, listen, every year it doesn't get easier. It gets harder. So uh, in order for us to uh, get through that together, let's take a little bit of a time for a New Year's resolution. Let's make a New Year's resolution, all of us, to be better humans so that our dogs can be better dogs. All right? Everybody, if you're listening right now or on podcast, I want you to think about that. Let's try to be better humans so that our dogs can be better dogs. Think about that, and we'll be right back with our last segment. Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. Hey, pet lovers, listen up. Purr Spray Pet, all-natural, non-toxic spray, for all of your pet problems, proven safe to use for their skin, eyes, and ears. Helps calm and heal wounds, hot spots, insect bites, and lots more. Will not sting and very safe to use even for your feathered friends. To find out how you can keep your pets happy and healthy, go to purspraypet.com. That's P-U-R spraypet.com. Perspraypet.com or call us now at 386 310 3924. When it comes to health expenses, dog owners have it rough. Now, thanks to veterinarian and dermatologist Dr. Kristen Holm, your dog can be goo healthy. There's Doggy Goo to find environmental pet allergies, Goo Gut Rescue for rescuing your dog's gut health, and Goo Silver, a broad-spectrum supplement for the special needs of your senior varsity dog. So visit HealthyGoo.com today or call 855-246-2426 and your dog can be Healthy Goo. Healthy. Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children. And welcome back to From Shelter Dogs to Service Dogs with Janice Wolf. Well, uh, we are talking about New Year's and trying to be a better human for your dog. You have to think about for a moment why it's so important for us to make sure that we are good humans because our dogs need us. And our dogs need us now. They don't need us a year from now. When we lose somebody dear to us or we lose another dog or we have a problem and all of a sudden we realize that, um, you know, there's a problem, what we have to do is be there for our dog. We can't be there for our dog's next year because the dog needs us now. The dog needs us this year. So when we have a problem and something isn't right, we can't try to get through it and then get help the dog. We have to get through it for our dog. And most people who have behavioral issues with their dog have those issues. 
because they have things going on either that are unresolved in their own life or perhaps things in their life that they're unhappy with. And sometimes it genuinely is a dog. A lot of people do get a rescue dog that was dumped because it had an issue. Assume for a moment that you rescue a dog. If you rescue that dog and suddenly as you rescue the dog, you say, well, he's the best dog in the world. Well, the reason he's the best dog in the world is he hasn't gone through that two-month honeymoon period yet. You have to make sure that you can get your dog through that period of time where, you know, the uh, the dog is, is actually um, looking at you as a very calm, confident, in-control kind of person. If the dog looks at you and he sees weakness and he sees sadness, and he sees hatred, he sees animosity, or if he sees, you know, anger, he sees, you know, grieving or sadness, all of those emotions to a dog appear to be a weak or unstable energy. And dogs aren't going to follow a weak or unstable leader. Humans will do it all day long. Just look at, doesn't even matter who you're going to vote for. So yes, humans will do different things than dogs, but dogs will do what dogs do because they're dogs. So when you start looking at your dog and thinking about the dog as far as what, you know, oh, I, I, you know, I lost my dog, I lost a parent, I lost, you know, whatever it is, and you want to fix that dog, you can't fix your dog until you can control that with your own emotions. Now, if you've got a dog that's a rescue dog, and let's say, you know, the dog has a behavioral issue when you're starting out, well, chances are that's why somebody got rid of that dog. Nobody gets rid of the best dog in the world. Nobody gets rid of them. I said this a thousand times. If something happened to me and when something happened to me, there will be arguments and fights over who gets to have Wyatt and Wispa and Brandy and Kira and, and you know, Savannah and Romeo and, and, and all my dogs because they are the best dogs in the world. They don't have behavioral issues. They're a joy to be around. I'm actually in my studio with eight, nine, I don't even know how many are here. I know Lexi's around here somewhere too. So there's eight or nine dogs. You don't hear them except when I try to egg Fallon on about the shot collars and Wyatt and Fallon got in their little two cents about that because they don't like that either. Not that they will ever, ever have one. Um, on them. But again, it's understanding that it's that frustration and that energy we use with a prong collar where we yank on it or a shock collar where you know you press that button, you know that's sending electric shocks into your dog. That's the wrong energy. That's the energy of a tyrant, a frustrated or an angry tyrant. That's what that is. So we want to do everything with love. We want to do things according to the way dogs do them naturally. Dogs will do what you want when you give them what they need. It's like I always say. It's like somebody comes into a hospital and says, oh, I have a, I have a really bad stomach ache. And they say, oh, okay, we're going to remove your appendix. How can they remove your appendix? You already had your appendix out. But they say, oh, no, no, it's your appendix. I've had that happen to me. Absolutely. When I had cancer the first time, I had a doctor, when I went into the emergency room, I was writhing with pain, and the, this dope who hopefully lost her license says to me, oh, no, you're just delirious. We're going to remove your appendix. I'm like, look at my scars. I don't have an appendix. 
And she kept arguing with me. And I felt that, thankfully, my parents were there with me to tell them, no, she really doesn't have an appendix. That's not it. You need not to be practicing medicine. Maybe you can go play the game operation, but don't practice with real-life humans yet. You're not ready. But that's the problem. How can you diagnose appendicitis because somebody has a stomachache? You might have eaten too much. You might have a gastric ulcer. You might have gotten shot in the belly. You might have, you know, some kind of parasite. There are a million things it could be. And that's the job of a well-trained and certified canine behaviorist. That's what we train people to do at United Canine Professionals. We go through a lot, and our people go through intensive training. And sometimes they get a little bit, you know, depressed or, or, you know, dejected because they say, oh, my gosh, there's so much to learn. But that's life. You have a whole life to learn it. That's the good part. You want to start learning things. You want to learn, like I always joke with, with people because I have so many horses and I've had horses for so many years. I breed Lipizzan horses and I was breeding New York State thoroughbreds for a very long time. And I would say to people, the kids always want to get, oh, I want to ride the fastest horse. You know what happens when you don't know what you're doing and you get on the fast horse, you get dumped and paralyzed or you get killed or you get injured really badly? Ride the slow horse first. Start out slowly. Then when you're getting good at riding the slow horse, then you ride the medium horse. And when you get really good with the medium horse, then you can ride the fast horse. But don't start out, you know, egging everything on and, you know, you're going to do all these things. I'm going to get this and I'm going to do that. Because you're going on and once you use a shot collar or once you use any kind of force like that, you've already lost because you can't go anywhere beyond that. We want to save up. We want to try to do as little as we can more than what the dog is doing. So if somebody has a stomach ache, the first thing you do is observe. You might x-ray them, do a little MRI to see if there's any bleeding, check their blood work. You don't go in and start surgery, and you certainly don't go in and do surgery if you don't know what the heck you're doing because you can kill somebody. Well, same thing with horses, same thing with dogs. You don't go in and and just, you know, zap everybody with everything you've got. Start out riding the slow horse. So when you have a dog with an issue, you first start out doing as little as you can. You know, like the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm. Don't hurt somebody. Don't do too much before you even know what the problem is. Some dogs, maybe, maybe they have a physical issue. I've seen plenty of dogs who have a physical issue or physiological or chemical issue. It's like a child with ADD or ADHD, and you give the child a ton of sugar and cookies and candy and all that junk food with sugar in it, and then you yell at him because he's hyper. You you just set him up for, for failure. We want to set our dogs up for success, not for failure. We want to set our dogs up to have the best life possible, don't we? Like we want for our children. We want to have these dogs for a long time. We don't want them stressed out because when dogs get very stressed, guess what happens? They die younger. They get seizures. They have heart issues, strokes, embolisms. They have all kinds of health issues that are much worse, even digestive issues. So we want the dog also to have that relaxation. We didn't get dogs so we could be frustrated by them. We got dogs for the reason I breed dogs and that I rescue dogs because I want to have those animals add to my life and I want to add to their lives. 
I want them to have the best life I can give them. And I want them to help me to do that for them. But what we don't want to do is use quick fixes that don't make you feel right. I can't tell you how many people through the years have said to me, well, I didn't want to use a shock collar. I didn't want to use a prong collar. But the trainer, well, the trainer, so the, the guy who got his uh, Cracker Jack box uh, training license, and, you know, you've got some, somebody who doesn't know what the heck they're doing, and they're telling you what to do, and you're saying to yourself, because I hear it over and over again, it didn't sound right, it didn't feel right, I didn't want to do it. He intimidated me, he made me feel bad. He told me that I have to dominate the dog, and I have to body slam the dog on the ground. He told, you know, she told me that if I don't do this, my dog's going to become aggressive and kill my baby in her sleep. I've heard every crazy thing you could imagine. You know what it all boils down to? If it doesn't feel right, and if you wouldn't do it to yourself or to somebody you love, then don't do it to your dog. We'll be able to talk to you more next year. Very excited that we've had such a great few years together and uh, wish everybody a wonderful, happy, healthy holiday season. Please don't drink and drive. We care about you. We don't want to lose any listeners. Uh, from drunk driving. We don't want to have you have a bad year next year because you did something stupid this year. Think about things and think about those important parts of your life that mean a lot to you, including hopefully your dog. And if you love those dogs, like I know you do, to brave me every week, (laughs) I know that you can be a better owner, better human, so you can make your dog an even better dog. Signing off for today. Fallon, come on over here. Just say goodbye. And everybody, have a wonderful, healthy, happy New Year. God bless. Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog. 